This is Digital Pathology Today. Now here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. Too many systems or components in a pathology workflow adds complexity and cost. How can we create an elegant end-to-end solution to enhance workflows while decreasing both complexity and costs? Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Our guest is John Worthlin, CEO of Lumea, a company reimagining pathology, beginning and ending with the patient. We discuss the end-to-end solution in digital pathology. One of the promises, after all, in digital pathology is making the pathologist's workflow more streamlined and more efficient. But can we bring the laboratory information system into the clinic and improve the workflow for our clinician colleagues as well? How can we improve the tissue handling or pre-analytic phase of testing? And it's often easy to forget who is the customer, but by utilizing enhanced workflows, can we improve customer satisfaction for the clinician who is ultimately treating the patient? This episode of Digital Pathology Today is brought to you in part by Aramatrix. Aramatrix provides artificial intelligence-based solutions for life sciences applications. Our solutions improve efficiency, diagnostic accuracy, and turnaround times in pathology and microbiology workflows across pharmaceutical and healthcare laboratories. We leverage machine and deep learning techniques to develop diagnostic, prognostic, and predictive solutions. Our solutions provide cost benefits in the pharmaceutical domain by speeding up preclinical drug development timelines. In healthcare applications, our solutions improve treatment outcomes by aiding disease stratification and enabling management protocols tailored to individual patients. For more information, visit our website at aramatrix.com. That's A-I-R-A matrix.com. John Worthlin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate having me on. Tell us about Lumea, how it how it got started, what your focus is there. Oh, I'd love to and appreciate uh, your podcast. I've listened to it and found it really interesting. So uh, I'm glad to be on and to tell a little bit about our technologies. Lumea was started by Dr. Matt Levitt, finished his uh, medical training from Stanford and got a job here up in Salt Lake servicing Intermountain Healthcare. He was always really passionate about digital pathology, the future that uh, that provided for pathology. And and after several years of practicing, he became so enamored with it. So he did something kind of unusual and then he left his practice. He uh, started um, a digital pathology practice, began practicing digitally and, and really following his dream. That really became a, a nightmare for him after about three months in because he realized what he had done is he had taken kind of his old system and he had bolted on a scanner and a separate viewer and all these separate systems and had added complexity and cost. And so he was at an inflection point where he could either go back and practice traditionally or kind of double down and build a system from the ground up, a really an entire ecosystem that uh, incorporated new workflows that would then uh, realize the promise of digital pathology of reducing costs and improving patient care. And you know that's how he founded the company. When I saw what he was doing, I was just really enthralled with uh, his vision for digital pathology. And I jumped at the chance to join him. He had hired some automation engineers and some software engineers and had really uh, begun the process of, of building this, uh, this technology platform. Automation engineers, software engineers, I heard the words bolted on. It's, it's a very exciting times in digital pathology. But I think really what maybe has been lacking is the need to reinvent the whole thing, right? Or reimagine the whole process. It's more than just adding a scanner to realize the the dream or the vision of digital pathology. I think we have to go back to the beginning and create different workflows that really support the digital 
environment. So what exactly do you mean by the digital pathology ecosystem or digital pathology environment? What are we talking about? Like you had mentioned, most uh, technologies focus on what happens once the glass has been made and then it's been the scanner and then what happens after the scanners. So that's where a lot of technology uh, has been built and developed. And, and we believe that's an important part of our process. What we recognized early on is bolting on different systems, uh, really, like I'd mentioned, adds complexity and cost. And so maybe naively when we started, of course, because we didn't know the difficulty we would have in going moving upstream and, and trying to improve the workflow actually beginning in the clinic and going from clinic to lab to pathology suite. And so we uh, started developing not only digital technologies, but also uh, better tissue handling technologies and better ways of processing the tissue and really en encompassing the whole laboratory process from the time the biopsy is taken all the way through until that glass slide is scanned and then into the pathology suite. So we're talking about kind of an improved and reimagined workflow from bedside all the way through to the diagnosis. That's a key point. It really begins once the biopsy is taken, we can start the clock there and really engineering our process to optimize things from the very start, because I think a lot of what we do, we create extra steps or and work for ourselves, which is maybe unintentional, or maybe we're trying to retrofit things or bolt things on, as you said. Once digital pathology became a reality, some of the questions people are asking, well, why is this taking so long? Why is radiology so far ahead of us in terms of going digital? 10 to 20 years, some people might say. You know, one key point is we're actually adding steps when we go digital. We're taking an old technology, 100 to 150 years old, making that glass slide. What we used to do is it came hot off the press, so to speak. Six in the morning, the pathologist would then come in, bright and bushy-tailed, look at it under the light microscope, sign out the case that same day. But then when you go digital, that same slide that came off at six in the morning might have to go into a scanner for 24 hours, and then six o'clock the next morning, the pathologist would sign out the case. So we've actually added the expense of the scanner. We've actually added technician time. We've added 24 hours of turnaround time and so on. So the process actually became more complicated and then the need for other infrastructure and interfaces to the LIS system. We've actually added more steps. So when you think about designing a new workflow, what considerations are there? So starting from you know, when the biopsy comes out of the patient, right? Because we're actually uh, duplicating work there as well. So I mean, maybe if we're lucky, the surgery suite could drop the biopsy in a, in a jar of formalin. All right, and then it comes to us, then our people, our pathologist assistant or pathologist doing the grossing, takes that, puts it in a cassette, does a description, sticks it into the processor. So going, starting at the beginning, how can we reimagine that workflow to tailor it to our purposes and then hopefully get some efficiencies out of it as well? What it involves, Joe, is bringing the laboratory technologies or the laboratory information systems into the clinic. So we've developed T-Technologies, a specimen information system that we actually bring into the clinic. So it helps manage that biopsy procedures. So the clinician has an improved workflow with a, you know, a few clicks of a, of a mouse or the tap on a screen. They can help document their biopsy procedure and eliminates kind of those paper requisitions that are you know, usually rubber banded to all of the containers that come into a lab. So that's now all digital. 
And then we also looked at, well, how can we improve the tissue handling? Formal and jar can be a pretty harsh environment for fragile biopsies where they can fragment and, and degrade. And so we have developed biopsy boards. And the clinicians love these biopsy boards because they just put these uh, biopsies on a formal and spoke sponge that's a specially designed sponge we have, and it holds them tight, holds them flat, and can maintain their orientation. Part of that biopsy board, we have RFID technology. And so now they just scan out uh, that biopsy and the laboratory knows that it's coming and all the information flows from the clinic to the laboratory. And so all of that uh, information is already there. So when they accession the case, it's just verifying the information is correct and, and then they're, they're off and running. So it's that partnership with technology between clinic and lab that really improves that workflow. And the clinicians just love that opportunity. And then when it comes in the lab, it reduces the work. And then in the laboratory, we just took a look at each one of those key steps, like you talked about, grossing. How can we improve the grossing? Well, we have developed technologies that help in the grossing process that utilize artificial intelligence. So we have a camera that takes a picture of the small specimens and then can analyze that with artificial intelligence and, and measure it, identify that down to the pixel level and then pre-populate that into the LIS. And then we have technologies with multiplexing where we can save quite a bit of money and improve the tissue quality in some specialties with multiplexing. And then that's all sitting on top of a laboratory information system that has been built from the ground up for digital pathology with one of the most advanced cloud-based architectures available to help manage all of this. So by the time it gets into the pathology suite, all this now culminates into what's kind of like our crowning jewel of our technology where now the pathologist signs in, they can look at the gross measurements, they can look at the picture, verify that those are all correct. And now the screen is literally the laboratory information system where as they interact with the screen, uh, their case is signed out. And in some specialties, we've been able to reduce the sign out time for the pathologist between 30 and 50%. So it's been pretty dramatic. Integrating all of these steps or compressing them is kind of how I would think of it. You're, you're getting a lot of efficiencies and letting all the stakeholders get some benefit. But let me ask you something. You know, a key piece of this, or maybe what we don't like to talk about, is the accountability. There's ha a handoff between the clinic and the uh, pathology lab. There's patient information. There's identifying what specimen we're talking about. So let's say you have a 12-part biopsy. How do we know this is the left upper lobe? Or how do we know the specimen is labeled correctly? How do we know the patient information is entered correctly? How do we know that the billing information is entered correctly? The more cynical view would be to push this off on somebody on the clinic, or maybe the more optimistic view would be to allow them to ensure the integrity of the data and enjoy the benefits of more reliable data and better turnaround time. But how how do we manage that? Who's responsible you know, for entering the data correctly and cor correctly identifying the, the specimen? Oftentimes when something goes wrong, there's a lot of finger pointing. Something is mislabeled or specimen is misidentified, then the lab will call the clinic and they'll say, hey, what did you mean here? And, and they'll say, well, you mix it up. And, and so there can be, or sometimes when you ship a specimen, it doesn't arrive on time or it gets lost in the mail and the clinic is wondering, where's my pathology port and the lab is like, well, we never got it. And so this disconnection is really what our technology is trying to address. It's about bringing these all on one platform to address these very concerns about 
data integrity, about specimen tracking, about the integrity of the specimen itself with better preservation and better transport technologies. And so when you're able to bring technology into the clinic and have the clinic and the laboratory essentially on the same specimen platform, it really reduces a lot of these challenges and errors that you had just identified because now they're all on the same platform rather than having like in the prostate example 12 jars kind of all over the counter they have our biopsy boards which are essentially two boards that have you know six lanes in each they put them in there they're they're already identified and already labeled package them up scan them they come to the lab all the information uh, from the clinic flows into the lab electronically in a secure fashion and it's just a vast improvement over a traditional method. Ah, I see. So it sounds like your system can actually save work for the physician office that's submitting the biopsy. Exactly. And that's why they like it so much is because rather than having to fill out paper requisitions and, and having to, to do things manually, now just with clicks of a button, they can send all this electronically. And, and that's really a key is that the clinicians love the workflow that are on our platform. That's a great point because what I've seen particularly stepping into behind the scenes roles or more administrative tasks is the question, well, this is creating more work for us. Who's going to pay for this? Who's going to do this? We're very keen on adding steps, you know, in this kind of setting, like in the OR and specimen handling, which we think is going to further the process. But then the question always comes back, well, this is inconvenient for us. This adds cost for us. So it sounds like what you're actually doing is you're, you're optimizing the process for the customer as well, the physician office. That's right. And, and when you think about it, the, the physician office or the clinician is the ultimate customer. I mean, they're the ones that are sending the biopsies. They're the ones that pick where these go. So if you can bring technology and bring services that are superior, well, then the clinician or, or that physician is going to want to send it to the group that is on the latest and greatest technology. I see. So in, in that spirit, who else, who are the other stakeholders that are involved? Who else can we make life easier for? So there's the office that's sending in the, the biopsies. There's the, the lab, the pathology lab itself that's handling the tissue. There's pathologists that are signing out the cases. There's probably an IT department in the in the hospital or maybe the healthcare system. Then there's the report generation that needs to flow back to the uh, clinician office. So who, who else is getting benefits from a more streamlined workflow? The ecosystem or the environment with clinic, lab, and pathology all working on the same system creates really some surprising synergies between all these groups that are on our system. And so like, for example, in, in our system, let's just take the pathology. If the pathologist uh, is wondering whether or not on the slide he or she can see all the tissue that uh, was supposed to be on there. For example, sometimes there's little dips in the block where when you cut through the, the block, you don't get all the tissue. Well, now they can look at the gross specimen. They can have, they have a picture of it and they can see what that gross specimen looks like. And then they can make sure that all that tissue made it onto the slide digitally. So there's some real advancements in just quality and in, in QAQC procedures that once you're all on the same platform, the pathologist can send a quick message to the histotech and say, hey, you know, this isn't great quality or they can do their quality checks all digitally. So from a quality and a regulatory perspective, this is uh, offers some advancements that, uh, that are really exciting and what, what we think is really going to make this uh, scalable. What often can go overlooked is grossing the specimen. And questions like that, I think we waste a lot of time and resources and tissue, even cutting through tissue where we're not sure like, oh, this looks like it could be two cores, but I'm seeing three fragments here. What happened here? Just very basic questions. So it sounds like we can do better there by taking 
images, photo images of gross specimens, you know, rather than playing a, a guessing game of, of what actually came in. So I think that could go a very long way. What are you doing now to get this system into the hands of, of more people? Kind of what, what's your approach? Is this limited to a certain group of patients? Do you deal with certain offices, labs, or hospitals? Or how, how are you going about promoting the system? It's a complicated environment, the laboratory healthcare environment. Really what we've done is focused on uh, making our customers successful in what they're trying to do. And so our customers are going to be laboratories or pathology groups. And, and we've, we've uh, really focused on giving them the tools that they need to be successful in their practices. And what we found is that a lot of clinicians, a lot of subspecialties are demanding great pathology, great turnaround times. But in addition to that, they want better technology and better services. And so by giving uh, the pathologists and the pathology groups on our platform the tools to better compete in the evolving healthcare market, then they're successful. And uh, what's exciting is to see them on our platform and then be able to grow their practices in their own areas, but also not being now geographically bounded. They can provide the same level of service in Oregon and in Florida or all across the country as they expand their offerings and expand their practice. And so it's been exciting to see a lot of these groups grab hold of this and recognize that this is game changing and that they can use these technologies and scale them up on a, a scale that hasn't haven't even thought about before. Oh, wow. So, so what do they have to do to adopt this type of technology? Do they have to get rid of everything they have? Could they pick and choose what components they want to add? Or is it best just to kind of start, start from the ground up? <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's a, it's a common question. You know, groups will come say, hey, look, we've already got, we've, we've had this, this LIS system for 20 years or 30 years. And while it's kind of old and clunky, it's all we've got and, and changing it would be very difficult. What we've really tried to do, Joe, is, is reduce the friction and the barriers to adopting our platform. And so uh, the first thing, there's really two ways to adopt it. And, and the first way is to just bring it in-house. And, and so to do that, they have to have a pulse light image scanner. And we'll work with any of the available scanners on the market today. And usually you can get those at a lease rate that's not too expensive per month. But once they have their scanner, really on our system, that's all they need. They need the scanner. And then we train them a little bit on our platform and, and bring a, a few other pieces of hardware in and they're ready to go. And they can then start using this. And oftentimes with a larger lab, they'll start it one specialty at a time. They can start, let's say, in GI, or they can start in GU, and they can just start slowly and get used to the system, and then they can expand it out. And the reason is because we have a, a SaaS-based model where you just kind of pay as you go. There's no licensing fees. There's no maintenance fees. There's no you know annual contracts or additional fees as you have to add servers and manage all that complexity. It just scales with the practice. And so as they want to grow this or they want to add more specialties, or even we've had groups that just want to trial it for a few months. They can just log in and do that. So the first way is they can bring it in. The second way is they can actually outsource the histology and slide scanning. So we've got several groups that are on our platform that uh, would love to provide histology and, and digital uh, scanning services. They can send the tissue to these groups. They'll uh, do the histology and scan it up for them, and then they can just log in sign it out. So it's a really flexible way of, of adopting a, a digital platform. You said they need a slide scanner at the, at the very least, but it sounds like this might be an open source or open-ended system. You don't necessarily have to have a particular kind of scanner. I know a lot of concern with 
digital pathology is interoperability. You might have one of the commercially available scanners, Philips, Leica, or some other one. You can use any one and software can handle the various inputs. Completely agnostic to scanners. And when you think about it, it's a pretty big decision to go digital with a lot of systems because it requires a slide scanner. It requires you know, servers. It requires long-term commitments. And I think that's a barrier. And so what we've tried to do is say, okay, once you've got your scanner, Really, that's all you need. And then everything else, the servers, the cloud-based storage, all of that is baked in to the low per-use fee, and it just scales with you. And it actually reduces that complexity and future-proofs the system. Because if they want to change scanners, they just change scanners. It's no big deal. Or if they want to make other changes, it's easy to do that because they haven't invested so heavily up front and locked into one system. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, this kind of approach, this integrated approach, there's a lot, of, a lot of benefits, but is there anything that we might not expect or any kind of like a meta phenomenon or something coming out of this that we, we didn't expect? Any benefits or stories that you hear pathologists telling you, well, gee, we, you know, we were a little skeptical going into this, but, you know, once we got up and running, we had all these things that we never even thought were possible, anything like that? When you have these kind of integrated platforms or integrated technologies, there are some interesting benefits that can come out of that. And uh, one of those for us has been genetic test ordering because we have this ecosystem that we could actually go to the clinician or have our customers go to the clinicians and say, hey, when would you like to order these tests? Traditionally, clinicians have a hard time remembering when to order them. And then when they do remember, they have to fill out these paper requisition forms, fax it off, and then they don't get the results back for over 20 days and they've already seen their patient. And it's just the workflow of that has been really challenging. So with our system, we thought, well, we can really improve that. And so we developed a process by which our customers, the pathologists, can go to the clinicians and say, hey, when would you like to order these tests? And then set the conditions in our system. And then when the pathologist is then doing their work, and then a flag will come up and saying, hey, Dr. Johnson or Dr. Smith would like to order a genetic test on, on this patient. Well, then the pathologist can can uh, call the clinician and say, hey, uh, we got a flag here. Do you want to order it? And the clinician can say, yeah, go ahead. And then with a click of a button, that test is ordered. All the data is transmitted to the genetic testing companies electronically. And then the tissue is sent the same day. And the neat thing is, is we've been able to cut the turnaround time for genetic tests from over 20 days to under 10 days. And then as those reports are delivered right through our uh, report generation portal into the clinic's EMR and clinic has it. So that has been really an exciting advancement in terms of ancillary test ordering. I think that can often go overlooked. And as you were describing that, a lot of th- a lot of things went through my mind all at once. First of all, the ancillary testing, you know, molecular testing is becoming such a bigger part of the picture. But then also the way in which we do it is changing. We have these highly specialized tests that happen in highly specialized laboratories. So we're sending for prostate and breast and colon even. We're sending off tissue to specialty labs. I used to work at one of these other labs. I had my first experience uh, with your system, or I believe labs that were using your system for genomic testing for prostate cancer. So I kind of saw it in action myself. But it's, it's interesting, immunohistochemistry, for example, a lot of what we do is for the benefit of the pathologist or to allow the pathologist to refine or make an exact diagnosis. So we're looking at lineage-specific markers such as cytokeratins or myoepithelial markers to, you know, to help us in the diagnosis. So that's one thing. So we order those in-house, basically. But then there's the predictive and prognostic markers, you know, such as pd one which we may be able to do 
in-house. Then there's the kinds that we send out, these multi-gene classifiers that are done at um, highly specialized laboratories. So how do you accommodate that, adding in these tests? One of the benefits of this type of approach is being able to streamline the process. So are you able to streamline the process, maybe even order, anticipate needing to order ancillary studies up front um, to, to save on turnaround time. One of the things that we're able to do, let's take, just take prostate, for example. There's a common immunohistochemistry stain called PIN4 you may be familiar with. A lot of pathologists will order that PIN4 if there's a case they're not quite sure about or, or to just get more clarity on their read. And so they can, in the system, have the histotechs cut additional unstained slides and they can program that in so that it just automatically happens. So if they order a PIN4, that that can be ordered on one of those unstains immediately and they don't have to go back to the block and recut it. So pathologists can kind of set their own preferences and then that's already built in the system. So when the histotech's doing their work and scans the block, comes up, it automatically tells them, oh, this pathologist wants an unstained in the event that they'll want to get a pin four and get that quickly. And so that cuts down on the turnaround time and, and provides those results sooner. So that's just one example. But really the power of this is in standardizing the way that certain ancillary tests or genetic tests can be ordered so that everyone gets the same level of care regardless of you know, kind of which physician they're seeing. And the physicians, the clinicians, they think about it, make sure they've got it right up front. They know that all their patients are being treated the same. And so by getting that uh, workflow and getting that those tests ordered in a standardized way, it opens up some exciting possibilities when you think about targeted therapies or personalized medicine, when you're going to have to have a genetic test to qualify for a therapy. And I can envision a day when the clinician will have those difficult conversations with the patient and say, you know, the bad news is that you know you have cancer but the good news is, is we've already done the the profiling of your tissue and that there's this amazing therapeutic that's designed just for this kind of cancer and we can get that started tomorrow that's the kind of advancement in patient care that we're really excited about leading there's definitely a lot of room there to better targeted therapies and improve outcomes for patients and certainly do it in a more timely manner if you ask people what 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 would you really like most in a laboratory test? I think right at the top of the list would be a fast turnaround time to be able to talk to my patient tomorrow about their treatment options. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about artificial intelligence, because I think that is a large part of the promise of digital pathology. You talked about prostate cancer and your applications there, and there are now commercially available algorithms that pathologists can use either for primary diagnosis or diagnostic assist or QA purposes. And then there's also workflow solutions, AI-based workflow solutions to help triage cases, to get the right case to the right pathologist. We are very excited about the advancements that are being made in artificial intelligence. A few years ago, we came at a kind of decision point as a company. You know, we were deciding, well, should we develop our own diagnostic AI or not? And we kind of went down that and dabbled it in a little bit, but very quickly we decided that the best use of our resources is to build the best digital platform for AI. So we really dedicated our resources to the workflow AI, like I talked about before. We have artificial intelligence on the grossing that's kind of helping with gross assist. We have some artificial intelligence that runs in the background that helps in the pathology sign out and keeping track of different tissue types and lane assignments and so forth. But really, we, we left the diagnostic AI to those companies who are solely focused on diagnostic AI and have now developed kind of a platform where we'll partner with any of the AI companies 
And we have an, a standard API approach where they just can integrate in very easily and quickly with our platform. And then those AI companies can provide their algorithms to the pathologist on our platform. So with a click of a button, a pathologist can have, you know, an AI from one company uh, for one tissue type or possibly another company from another tissue type. And it creates kind of this marketplace for AI for all of the, the pathologists that are on our platform. And, and that's where we see where, again, we're not locking the pathologist into one group or one AI company, but they can have access to multiple AI companies and choose the one that's best for their uses and their tissue type. Kind of like how you were saying you're agnostic to the hardware or the, the scanners that are being used. You're also agnostic to AI applications as well. Yeah. When we partner with those, these AI companies, they're the ones that, that set the price. They're the ones that kind of are in control of that. But with one contract with us, they get access to, you know, dozens and dozens of pathologists that are on our platform. And so it's a real opportunity for them to get their technology out and commercialized. So it goes both ways. You can offer access to the pathologists using your ecosystem, and then you can allow these pathologists to access all of these great new AI tools as well. So have you, I'm sure you've heard the analogy, it's like the smartphone. Is that apt here that kind of like how you can get lots of different apps on your iPhone or your Android device uh, to do various tasks like YouTube, Uber Eats, and is that maybe a good way to think about it? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, you look at some of the most successful technologies today and where things are headed and it's all kind of integrated. You've got your Android environment where you have Google Play and the uh, the iPhone uh, marketplace where you can get your apps there. But I think that what it kind of highlights is the importance of an integrated system where the reasons that these work is because we have an iPhone that can be uh, context, it can be a phone, it, can, it has all these multi-functions which are all kind of with, on one screen, all integrated. And, uh, and we don't have separate screens or separate things for each function of the iPhone. We just have one phone. And, and that's kind of been an inspiration for us as we've thought, how do we develop the digital pathology ecosystem of the future? Well, in the future, it's going to be an integrated system that gives the pathologist all they need on one screen. Oh, wow. All, all they need on one screen. So John Worthless from Lumea, thank you so much for being with us. Before we wrap up, uh, what excites you and where do you see things headed in the next five to 10 years? Well, I appreciate the time, Joe. And I'm, of course, really excited about technologies that are being developed. I think as an industry, uh, we're just getting started. And I think as digital pathology gains traction, uh, we've talked a little bit about the possibilities in precision medicine and the improvements in standard of care across subspecialties. Uh, in the way that patients are handled. Those are the types of things that I get really excited about. I think all of us have had probably close experiences with cancer in, in our families and friends. And it's just exciting to see how this can improve patient care across the board. But the other thing I get really excited about is there are a lot of communities that are underserved with pathology. So even in, this, in our own country, and then when you expand it globally, there are some countries that just don't have access to a lot of pathology services. You know, we strongly believe that digital pathology has the ability to bring pathology services to some of these underserved communities. And our name, Lumea, is actually a Romanian word that means people of the world. And so uh, one of our real focuses is to bring digital pathology services to people of the world. And that's where uh, you know I think the future is. Ah, people of the world. Well, our guest has been John Worthlin from Lumea. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today.
This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.